Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over 200 different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. If you are still looking for a gift for yourself or a loved one this holiday season, why not give the gift of mindfulness? For only a few more days, Centered in the City's annual membership is only $79. That's 20% off of the annual membership rate. So if you've been curious about it or thinking about it, I highly recommend signing up for our seven-day free trial and taking advantage of this great offer. Again, that only lasts for a few more days. And in 2023, membership rates will increase. So this is a great opportunity to support yourself or a loved one creating these pauses in our lives to connect inwards so that we can live more intentionally outwards. Learn more and sign up at centerinthecity.org slash give the gift of mindfulness. Wishing you and your loved ones health and ease. Welcome back to the Center in the City podcast. On today's episode, we are talking about grief, the journey with grief, especially during the holidays. And we're talking to a dear friend of mine and fellow coach, Mandy Jankus. Mandy and I know each other from our Seattle days and working together and supporting the Riveter community in Seattle. And I wanted to bring Mandy on the show because in 2020, she lost her mother to her mother's battle with cancer. And it's just a journey that never ends. And Mandy is so vulnerable, so authentic, so transparent about her journey with grief on social media that I thought she'd be the perfect guest to talk to us about the process and learn from each other and what we're experiencing missing our mothers this time of year. So a little bit more about Mandy is she is a mental health coach. She also is a Brene Brown Daring Way facilitator living in Chicago. A lot of Mandy's work is about integrating Brene Brown's curriculum with tenets of social emotional learning and cognitive behavioral coaching techniques. So I think you'll learn a lot through this episode. I know I did. It just felt really good to talk about grief with somebody that gets it. Whether you're somebody who is on the journey of grief or know somebody, I hope that this episode supports you feeling seen, feeling heard, and not feeling alone. So let's settle in and let's get centered. Mandy, welcome to the Centered in the City podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk with you. So fun to connect. It's been 
a long time. I miss you being physically in Seattle. And um, so let's, let's launch into my famous question of talk to us about a time where you didn't feel centered, whatever that means to you and how you recentered yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a powerful question. The, the time that comes up is, uh, around our topic today. Um, after my mom died, I was, uh, kind of alone in that it was early in the pandemic and my husband and son were, uh, stuck in Seattle. Um, and I'm an only child and, uh, everybody kind of locked, locked down and locked in. Um, I would still see my dad who was, uh, very new and in deep grief as well. So I felt um, like I was in the middle of the ocean with huge waves getting kind of rocked back and forth. And um, the way that I centered myself, it sounds very simple, but it was very effective. Uh, I walked a lot. Um, I walked when it was raining. There was a wild Chicago April snow that came. I still, I got outside and I walked and I walked and I walked and I walked. Um, one day I walked 10 miles before 10 a.m. And I would listen to podcasts and cry and sweat. And it was very grounding for me. Um, and so sometimes like I would go for a walk and then I would come in and I would just see her things or have a hard moment and I would go back out for a walk. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I love, I love that because walking is so healing and yeah. so good for our mental health, for our heart. And it sounds like you would use that time and space to listen to podcasts, find some sort of connection and kind of use movement as a way to kind of move through all of all the things. Yeah. Yeah. You're yes. It's a great observation that I don't even think I realized in the moment, but it was like that feeling of when an emotion rises up in your body and your body almost feels like it's going to burst, whether it be tears or, or shaking or being really hot or cold or just those physiological feelings walking definitely helps helped me to alleviate some of those symptoms and make them feel more manageable. Mm -hmm. I even just noticed the last few days with it snowing in Seattle, I haven't walked as much and I feel the energy trapped inside of my mind and body. And I'm going like a little stir crazy. And I, I said this to myself yesterday of like, okay, today you need to go on a, a long walk because I'm like a that dog energy, right? You like, I need to be yeah. released and like run yes. around, get the yeah, zoom out. energy. That's a great, that's a great way to put it. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. So let's talk about grief. I have this memory. I don't know if you remember this, but when we went out to lunch, like years ago, I don't even, it was like six, seven. I don't even wow. know. We'll, we'll pretend not to pick, pick a number, but we went out to lunch. We went to London plain and we we're <gasps> sitting outside and we were like meeting each other for the first time, hearing about your background and stories and my background and stories and us both going to the same coaching schools and, and our just journeys to this work. And I remember telling you that I had lost my mom at a young age. And I remember your reaction was so 
I felt so seen by it because you were like, oh my God, I cannot imagine losing my mom. Like that was like, I remember you having just this like heart wrenching response. And, and when it happened to you in 2020, I remember from seeing you express yourself on social media, but feeling just so deeply empathetic to what you were experiencing, knowing how much your mom meant to you just from your response to my mom passing. And we are both motherless, motherless chicas navigating this world. And I would love to just like, you've been so vulnerable about your journey with grief. And I just love to hear like, how are you navigating and where are you on your journey with grief in this moment? Yeah. I remember that. I, I, I remember that. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I remember talking with my mom on the way home from that lunch and, and being very emotional about the thought of what you had gone through. Um, so yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I, that's a powerful, a powerful one. And I'm glad, I'm glad that my response, um, made you feel seen looking back now. I I will tell you, I can judge myself a little bit, I think, and say that I, I wish I hadn't said, I can't imagine, right. Because a lot of people said that to me after my mom died as well. And I was, you know, in the moment I would be like, yeah, neither can I, and I'm in it. Like, I don't know what's happening either. I, I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that my response was hopefully made you understand also how much I respected the connection that you had with your mom. Um, oh, oh, it did. You helped me feel so seen. Honestly, you were like one of the people that stood out to me of like, wow, you know, moms. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my mom was my best friend. Um, and I think, so speaking of navigating the journey, I found out really early after she died that moms are not everybody's daughter. Moms and daughters are not always best friends. Um, and I, I, that was something I guess I didn't know. I think I, I have a very close best friend that I've known since grade school and her, her and her mom have a very similar relationship to my mom and I, um, and women have talked about their mothers, but it was after seeing my loss that people started saying to me, um, I would have never been able to do that. Or I I don't know that I would have done that. So just to back up a little bit more, um, when my mom got sick, I took a, a leave of absence from my tenure track position teaching. And I, um, with after talking with my husband, who knows our relationship very well, and I said, I need to be with my mom. And he said, you absolutely do. Please go. I got this. And so I, I really lived um, back with my parents and I would every few weeks fly back to Seattle for, you know, a few days, four or five days, and then go back for treatments and to cook and care for my mom. Um, so she was gone and she was my person. And so I would have these moments in the early days, especially where I would go to call her to be like, can you believe you're dead? What do I? And, and so it was 
really waves and waves. Uh, being a teacher, being a coach, I think helped me a lot because what do we do for our clients? We, we kind of send resources. And so I dug around for those. I joined a writing group um, for folks who have lost people. And that was my very, that was like two weeks in, probably a little bit too early. Also showed me that, as you said, it's very different when you lose your mother, right? It's different than losing a spouse. It's different than losing a husband or a child. Um, and so I, I also learned that I needed to know more about the mother-daughter connection. I wanted to understand why this felt so paralyzing for me. Um, and I did a lot of reading, um, Hope Edelman, Claire Budwell-Smith, uh, their work has been life-changing and life-giving, understanding that anxiety as its own stage of grief really helped me feel seen. Um, I started having, my, when my mom was still in treatment, I started having really, really bad panic attacks that continued on after she was gone. So um, went back to therapy, uh, kept that up, uh, really checked in with my poor handful of friends in the early days as well, the people who um, didn't try to fix it or make it better or share their stories, just let me let it out, I think was really helpful. And now, you know, it'll be three years on April 1st and there are still, as you know, moments where it feels like it was yesterday. Um, and there are days now where I don't cry at all, which, didn't seem possible to me at first. Um, I think with navigating, the most important thing that I am on a journey with right now is um, being present to her and her signs when she wants to show them versus when I want to see them. And that's mm -hmm. been another really kind of cool learning experience that I'm in right now. Mm. I'm curious about a few things you just shared of when you joined that writing group, you said it was too yeah. early. What for you made it feel like it was too early to join a writing group with people who had just lost somebody? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think I was a little bit in shock because um, of the diversity of the losses. So it felt like trauma on top of trauma. Um, there was some suicide, there were some tragic accidents, uh, there were some very young children, there were, was a child, uh, a mom in the group who had lost a child that was the age of my son at that time. And it was re it was basically a, a Facebook group with a very open forum and no real facilitation. So okay, it was like not... people throwing yeah. out all of their grief and trauma and there was nobody there to hold it or or walk with us through that mm. and so it felt a little bit dangerous um i did meet one woman in the group who had also lost her mom and we connected off to the side and and shared some stories and kind of you know it was nice to make that friend and if that's what i was meant to get out of it then you know that was enough for me yeah. But yeah, I just learned that um, it's a tender, tender, yeah. tender place. And um, just kind of having a space isn't enough. You have to really 
have somebody who knows how to help folks navigate walking around the space as well. Oh yeah. And I mean, you're so raw and vulnerable. And then also I know knowing you personally, you're also a sensitive soul. And so just to <laughs> then, yeah, that makes complete sense, especially if it's not in a safe container that things are being processed. And it's interesting. You also shared, you know, being an only child, I can only imagine the amount of weight and pressure you felt as a caregiver and to support both of your parents during that time. And it's interesting because I do have two older siblings and when my mom passed, we were all very much caregivers to my mom and we were able to share that responsibility. However, afterwards, I noticed we both kind of, or not we both, we all went into these like silos of grief. Like we all experienced and processed our grief separately and different. And I, I noticed like I wanted a, a yearning for more of us all to be talking about things and processing, but we just weren't there. And I still think there's healing that probably needs to happen between my siblings and I around processing the grief together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of sitting and ruminating of what we could have or should have done differently. And we, you know, kind of all hit points of like, okay, it's not helpful to stay in the past. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like grief, even though it's a beautiful thing to connect to people about, I feel yeah. like it's also so isolating. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, you just said some of, I, I feel like you touched on some of the main reasons why, I mean, in understanding and learning all of this that I've done over the last few years, you know, there are different types of grief, right? So in addition to that, there's those stages that everybody kind of throws at you. And we know now if, if you've had to learn about them, that they're not prescriptive, they're descriptive. So when you may have been in deep depression, perhaps a sibling was in anger, or it sounds like somebody was in bargaining and somebody may have been in anxiety. So, you know, there's no rule or map, unfortunately, or fortunately, however we want to look at that. I think at first I was like, F this, just tell me what to do. Like, how do I finish this? And as you know, now it's never done. It's kind of your little, you know, accompaniment for the rest of your life. Um, The things we learn. And when you say, you know, there's some healing to be done yet, it reminds me of what happened with my dad and I, um, bad, 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 bad. So the whole, uh, process really, we dealt with from the moment my mom got sick to when she died, we completely dealt with that very differently. Um, we had done some really hard work and had some really hard talks, but he will, um, he basically started grieving my mom when she got diagnosed, um, which is very normal. Uh, however, he, he checked out and it, it truly did. I mean, I, I was really the only caretaker. Um, and, and that it was, it was a big weight. Right. Um, and so having the conversation afterwards, many of them, you know, kind of strung together, like imagining Christmas lights as you kind of decorate the tree. It's like these conversations that have built and become 
more fruitful and beautiful as time has gone on. They were kind of a little bit messy at first. Um, hearing that made total sense to me. Like he was already like, what am I going to do without my wife here? And I was like, we're going to beat this cancer. We got this. What do we need to do? Let's get in the ring. Right. And so, um, we have healed a lot in understanding there was no right or wrong. He has said, I wish I would have helped you more. I wish I would have, could have been more present and I'm sorry. And that, those were all very powerful things for me to hear. And I, um, instead of directing him or trying to direct him, um, apologized for not asking him more questions in, in the moment, right? Wow, how beautiful you have been able to have. It sounds like yeah. a little bit of a clearing conversation around yeah. around that journey. And I'm sure maybe there's more to come. You know, I feel like yeah. to your point around grief, like it is not a destination. It is a lifelong partner. And I too had that similar experience of like, okay, how do I like how do I get done with you, grief? Right? Like, how do I let you go? <laughs> and it was such a practice of acceptance to recognize, oh, this is always going to be here. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to cry and miss my mom at the most random times and at yes. the most prominent times and also be super irritable and not know it and then reflect on it and be like, oh, it's because I've been deeply missing my exactly. mom. Yeah. And, you know, you and I are having this conversation during the holidays, which can be a prime place for missing our people, missing our traditions, mm -hmm. missing our places. How are you feeling in this moment? Hard. Um, I'm feeling hard. That's not a feeling. I'm feeling a little bit discouraged. Um, there's some hopelessness. There's also some excitement, some wonder. So I, you know, I have two small children. Mm. Um, my son is eight and a half and my daughter is 19 months. And so very much on my journey, I have looked at my daughter as kind of this little heaven sent gift from my mom. And that there's beauty and pain in that simultaneously, I think. Right. And so as she's gotten older, especially this year and can walk and start to talk and say things, I am deeply reminded that there is a person who she will not ever meet on this earth. Mm -hmm. And that, um, as you mentioned at the most random times shatters me into a million little pieces. Um, we have, a little uh, table in our living room and it has a picture of my mom mm. and it has um, a vase that I bought her on her first trip to Seattle. It has one of her glassy babies, also a local Seattle company. So a little candle that I light um, and it has her, was, I've got some of her ashes blown into a blown glass um, ball. So that those are always in our living room. And I have made it normal to talk to her. And mm -hmm. I, I do this in front of my family. Um, so my, my daughter will wander over to the table at very random times. And again, I've learned how to, I'm working on, I should say, being present to that and thinking, oh, why now? Right? What is, 
what could be happening in her little mind now that she's wandering over here and she'll pick up the picture and she'll say hi grandma and we'll Mm -hmm. say give grandma a hug and she'll hug it um I light her candle every night I have a little Christmas tree on the table right now I light that and I say hi hi Mumi Mumi is what I called her um and and we just talk about her I hosted Thanksgiving and you know I I kind of reference this area this space as a physical place to honor her and that is helpful even when the feelings are difficult or the emotions are are running high and I might be crying or asking why or for answers that I know I'll never get, you know, mm. from her picture sitting there. It has been healing to have her in in our space all together. So it's kind of I've normalized her in the best way that I know how so far. Mm. And it sounds like, you know, you're doing what's suggested to people with the grief of like keeping her alive, keeping her yeah. present to your life, keeping yeah. her integrated into your life. I, I, not judging myself, but I'm reflecting on like, you know, how much do I do that with my mom? And I would say I go in waves. Like I've noticed I've been putting on her clothes a lot during the season mm. um, to keep her feeling present and she's always with me when cooking and chopping garlic and like just kind of the smells and those sights. But I haven't sat down to talk to her in a while. And mm-hmm. I typically do that on like twice, twice a year, you know, or maybe three times a year, like her birthday and her death anniversary, maybe Mo- mother's day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I noticed this, we're celebrating Hanukkah and some feelings came up of like, oh, wow, like I really, I miss, like here's another year of her not being here. Here's another Mm -hmm. year of like noticing my heart searching for this type of feeling that I get from just family and her memories of home, of safety, of love. And I don't think I've given myself enough space to sit with that. And that's kind of a cue as we're talking of like, okay, maybe take some, my journal and go go explore that a little bit more because yeah. there's there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I think so as well. I I have really tried also to have um reminders of her like um have her engagement band that I haven't taken off since she died. Um, and then things that were prayer beads that were in her car are now in my car so that I always think about my angel while I'm driving. Um, I do have a small amount of her ashes next to my bed. And if my kids go to the doctor or as I was going to the doctor, pregnant with Zoe, every single doctor appointment, I put them in my purse. Um, rituals are important (laughs) and that has I think in a world where the grief world you know there sometimes feels very out of control um these small things have helped me feel like I'm doing something uh to ground and and center right as you said it's as I'm thinking about it I'm like oh my gosh this is so timely that this conversation happening um because it even though she's, she's not here. And I, and I know that I will still say, come on, mom, you know, we're going for a ride. And, and there's, 
pain and and some joy in that as well. Cause I think at this point she would giggle about it. Oh geez, Mandy, do you really need to bring me, you know, um, when my my husband tells the tells the story more with more humor and just terrified deer in the headlights look, but I wanted her in the operating I had another C-section with Zoe, my daughter, and I wanted her in the operating room. And I knew that they wouldn't let me hold anything. And so I said, you have to, you have to bring my mom in your pocket. Don't say anything. And he was like, okay. And it's in this bag from the funeral home, you know? And, and so he wrapped it in another bag. He had it in his pocket. And after everything was over and everything was fine, he was like, I had these visions of me like slipping and the bag exploding, <laughs> ashes going everywhere and people being like, what is that? And we both laughed in the hospital. Like she's probably laughing right now. And I remember when my doctor came in to check on me, I said, just so you know, cause she knew I would bring my mom's ashes with me in my purse. I said, just so you know, my mom was in that room. And she said, I didn't doubt it. So. How do you design your rituals when it comes to connecting with your mom? Yeah. I try to think about things that we did together or that rem- remind me of her when with walking, for example, there was this path in Illinois when I was a little girl that we always used to go to. It was a, like a three mile loop. And when her and I would have our mom and daughter days, we would like go out to breakfast, we'd go to a bookstore and we'd walk this path. And it, so we would always walk. We just loved walking. We would go on vacations together. We'd walk everywhere. So walking felt natural. Um, and then when I think about, when I thought about what to do with her ashes, I knew I wanted to, to spread some, have some, hopefully one day I'll get to Uganda. Her and I were supposed to take a trip. I was going back. She was coming for the first time. I want to put her there as well. Um, the blown glass, she loved um, blown glass. She loves Seattle for that reason. We would always go to the original glassy baby store and watch them blow the glass. So that seemed like a given. I, I, it's, Really, I think when you're quiet enough to not search for the right, air quote, right answer, the answer's right there, right? The, the things that you should, another air quote, do are really right there. You just do them. And then you think, oh my gosh, I feel her. Mm. I think um, I tried to, we tried to send, oh, I did balloons. It was her birthday. I think the first year of her birthday, my son and I let balloons go. And I, I had my phone out and I thought it was going to, I thought I would just oh, like feel something. Yeah. And I, I felt nothing mm. and I was disappointed and I felt mad that she didn't give me a sign mm. somehow like a bird or, you know, and then it made me realize that that wasn't a thing that worked for me and that's okay. And I can find other ways, you know, to, and as my kids are getting older, you know, she loved chocolate cake. And so, you know, on her birthday, having my kids make a chocolate cake with me for grandma, mm-hmm. and then we blow out the candles together. Like that is something and includes them. It reminds me of her and it makes me feel good. I'm not like waiting for some moment. And then it, feeling disappointed if it doesn't happen like in the movies. Mm, yeah. Oof. 
I love what you're saying of like getting quiet to listen to what feels meaningful and connected for you and Mm -hmm. leaning into that to design the connection with your mom. Yeah. So powerful. Will you tell us a little bit about the um, little library? Yeah. Yes. So um, Modern Lost is an um, Rebecca, her last name starts with an S. Modern Lost was an Instagram account that I found shortly after my mom died. And it was a a real go-to for me. Um, They would post things that people wrote about their loved ones. There's memes that just felt really relatable. Um, A lot of like what shitty things people say to you when you're in grief that actually make it so much worse. It was just this space that was awesome. And she wrote there's two books. Now there's the modern loss handbook, I believe it's called. And she wrote this one and kind of pieces together, like almost like, what do you do in grief? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And one of the early chapters was on rituals. Mm. And so because my mom died, right. When everything shut down, um, there were no funerals. And so we decided to wait until the summertime and then um, I was pregnant and COVID was still raging. And, and so they still had really strict protocols. So we didn't have a funeral for her. Um, my dad, uh, really after the being canceled kind of said it, uh, it's just been too much time now. And he wasn't comfortable with that. And so I didn't get that closure mm. <laughs> and that stinks a lot. Um, And so in this ritual section, one of her first kind of options for suggestion was start a little free library in memory of your person. And my mom loved to read. I love to read. My kids love to read. And it was like so exciting to me. I read it. I was like, yes, this is my sign. This is what I'm going to do. And so I told Andy. And I said, I want to have it in my yard. I want to be the, they call them stewards. You know, if you're uh, the person kind of who charters it and you take care of it and switch out the books. And um, I wanted this to be a place in our yard that I could watch and have my kids be a part of it and bring out the books and take donations. And it has been a magical little spot. We live in a subdivision and out in suburbia now. (laughs) (laughs) very different than Seattle, but it is nice in that, uh, we live in a neighborhood with tons of kids and the kids love it. Um, I know I've seen people drive up and and look through it and that just warms my heart is always kind of this little thing of, I followed my gut and here's this. And I just think she's really proud, um, of, of having something in her name that is representative of, a hobby and just an act that she believes so deeply in. Uh, I remember even when I was kind of, Micah was young, I was going through coach certification, teaching, everything was so busy. And she would say, when's the last time you just read a book, Mandy? When, not like one of your like self-help books. Mm -hmm. I know you you love those and you love learning, but when have you just gotten lost? When's the last time you got lost in a, a juicy novel? And I was like, oh mom, I don't have time for that, but she was always so right. Mm-hmm. And when I give myself that space and I've, I've 
got so many books since she's died, right? Where I just keep stacking them because I know I'll get to them. And it really is like life-giving to even just 15 minutes before my son gets off the bus to read a chapter. Mm. Um, so having a place to put those after I'm done with them warms my heart too. That's so beautiful because books are one of the these artifacts that just keep giving and living. And, you know, my mom gave me a book by John Kabat-Zinn, Wherever You Go, There You Are, Mm -hmm. Um, when I was diagnosed with cancer and two months before she passed. And Uh... reading that book made me feel like her voice was still alive and present with me, like she was sharing this wisdom with me through John Kabat-Zinn's writing and it it kept me going it helped me it held me so I'm it's so beautiful that you created this library that just keeps on giving and spreading joy and feeling your mom's essence through that share is so beautiful yeah Mandy I'm one final question here that I'm curious about is, you know, being now a mom to, I know you have a son, but now have a daughter. What are you experiencing noticing the mom-daughter connection from a different angle? Yeah. Um, So many feelings every single day. Um, I, I knew it was, I knew she was a girl before I even knew. Um, there was really no question. And uh, because of my age, I, uh, through a blood test, um, they actually were able to find out at eight weeks and asked if we wanted to know. And I said, yes, and was confirmed very early. And I um, remember having real panic on and off of like, what if, right? Those, those traps that we, the stories we tell ourselves, what if I'm not as good? What if we're not as close? Um, now that Zoe is here, I can see so much of my mom in her. I see a lot of my grandma in her too, as well, my mom's mom. Uh, and I think in terms of the connection, the, the thing that comes up for me right now in this moment is that I get these urges to say like, be or don't, or how about, and I stop myself because I feel like my mom just allowed me to explore all of the interests and crazy fashion choices and music choices and, 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 and she never, I never felt judged by her. She really like allowed me to open to who I am, you know? And it was what made our relationship so incredible. And I look at Zoe and I think there's just a sense of wonder because she's got such a big personality and she's so silly already. And I'm excited to be a safe place for her as she explores. You know, I I really am working through not putting the pressure of being best friends, you know, who knows there might, she might not call me her best friend when she's older. Um, 
And so just practicing letting our relationship become whatever it's meant to be, but ensuring that I'm taking my mom's, who my mom was as a mom to just watch her explore herself, I think is what feels most important right now. Wow. So beautiful. And and like you have that awareness to recognize when your mind gets attached to you wanting it to be a certain way and to kind of step yeah. back and practice and um and it sounds like trust, like trust that your relationship will unfold yes. however it's meant to be. Yes. Oh, that is so beautiful. Mandy, thank you for being here and sharing your heart with us and your stories and your mom with us. Where can people stay connected to you if they want to learn more about you, your journey, your library book, read yeah. all the yeah. beautiful things you offer? Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Kindred and Brave, Kindred Coaching. Um, Mandy at kindredandbrave.com is my email or Kindred um, and brave.com is my website. And yeah, I, I think the grief, the grief journey continues. I've just finished taking a grief certification course with Clara Bidwell Smith, and I'm, uh, starting a motherless daughters grief course next month. So I'm very, very excited to build on a lot of what we've just talked about here today. And thank you for sharing everything you shared, including that memory. I just feel connected and grounded. So I really appreciate talking with you. Oh, thanks for being here. Oof, what a heart exploding episode. Thanks so much for listening to it. If you know somebody in your life that is dealing with grief, maybe share this episode with them. Help them feel seen and heard and supported. Sometimes death can be our biggest teachers in lives. So maybe take this moment to tell the people who are alive how much you love them, how much they mean to you, because we never know when they might not be there. And maybe celebrate each other in life and in death every day, but maybe particularly this holiday season. Thanks so much for being here. Until next time, stay centered.